iSiri was designed by Apple in California. And I never listened to I Doubt It with Dallin Moore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right. Welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us. This 193rd installment of the treasured I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore. And sitting across from me, she's had a rough week, everybody. Finally feeling good or almost there. Brittany Page. I'm hanging in. If you had to give it a percentage of mm-hmm. health, you're not 100%. Are you? Probably are, probably 80. Are you 80%? That's pretty good. Probably 75, 80. Today has been a big day, a busy day. Uh Uh-huh, Super Bowl Sunday. It's not only Super Bowl Sunday, but apparently it's the podcast extravaganza right? for the Brittany P. and Jesse D. team. This is the third show that we have done today. (laughs) The third show inside of one day. Mm -hmm. We did two bonus debate episodes for our Patreon subscribers, Mm -hmm. and then, of course... This particular show that we're doing now. Yeah. So it's busy bees. Very busy. And then we also, I know so many of our listeners love me talking about sports. Uh, We also got to watch the Super Bowl and see the Minnesota Vikings win the Super Bowl. (laughs) I know that that isn't like the thing that happened, (laughs) which is amazing. No, I just wanted to see if you were listening. Part of it was to see if you were listening. The other part was to see if you really knew what the hell was going on the entire game no i did well i know who was playing in it but i <laughs> outside of that i don't know what happened really you know what the broncos happened. won yes but i can't really follow the game because when I'm watching you got it. to watch cam newton be an indescribably mopey douchebag at the end of the game he was not a very good loser yes that is all we have to say about that speaking of mopey Brittany page has reason to be sad. Mm-hmm. Someone who has been an inspiration to her. Mm-hmm. Someone who has gifted really the world with mm-hmm. happiness mm-hmm. has died. Yeah, Maurice White. Maurice White, who is the founding member and chief songwriter mm-hmm. for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yes. So I wanted to give the audience the gift of you know, 15 or 20 seconds a piece of some of these songs that have meant so much. I mean, we went to a concert mm-hmm. at the Hollywood Bowl. September 2013. Which was like a spiritual experience for you. If you've ever had one, that would be it. That is how I describe it. Yeah. It was... Crying during very happy songs. Yeah, I cried. Yeah. I was very emotionally moved. As I am when I hear... The songs, just when I'm listening to them sometimes. Yeah. Anyway. That, that music should do that. Right. And Earth, Wind & Fire is just so perfect. I mean, they are the perfect sure. band. And it's also just meaningful for you based on your past and based on what it's meant to you throughout your life. And 
I don't think anybody of any worth or <laughs> import would question something like that. You know what I mean? No one would make fun of, oh, she's crying at earth, wind, and fire. You know what I mean? Oh, well, I don't care. Right. If they make fun of me about it because <laughs> I, I seriously love 70s, period. Right. I love disco. I love soul. I love funk. And Earth, Wind, and Fire blends all these different sounds, and they're just like classic music. I mean, it's it's just fantastic. Well, let's give a taste, and then you can name each song as it comes up. That's the name of the song right there. <laughs> Boogie Wonderland. And then that's Maurice White singing right there. Yeah. But he did write most of the songs, and Verdine White is the bass player, and he is Maurice's brother. He still tours with the band. Maurice died from complications to Parkinson's. He was mm-hmm. 74, and he stopped touring with the band in like the 90s. So Because of his health. Yeah, so when we saw him, he wasn't touring with the band, but his other brother, Fred joined the band you know everybody that's great and he has been touring with the band yeah so and philip bailey is still in the band yeah people should know philip bailey and here's another so that song is devotion yeah the first word that was sang (laughs) that's not planned i didn't consult with you i just I picked the the best parts, I thought, for a very short clip. Yeah, and that's a live version. And it was funny because I had you play a song the other day, and I said, oh, play Devotion by Earth, Wind & Fire, and you tried to play the studio version. Right, and you chastised me. Right. And told me to play the live version, which is completely antithetical to who you are. (laughs) You hate any time. We don't really use your Pandora music stations anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. But anytime we're playing mine and a live version of something comes up, you try to surreptitiously get over to the phone or by whatever, the computer, and thumbs down because you hate live versions of songs. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't and know I why I like that. I love them because usually you get a little different version, a little different flavor to it. And I don't like flawless. I mean, I do love flawless music, but in a live version, you just you get the real deal. Mm-hmm. Unless they're, you know, lip syncing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, here's another. And most of the audience, I think, will rec- recognize this. If you don't know this song, it is September. <laughs> And if you don't know it, seriously, something's wrong with you because that is the song that everybody knows and everybody loves. Whenever Brittany and I, it's not often, but every once in a while, Brittany and I will venture into a bar and there will be a jukebox there. And we will set straight away to, well, what normally would be like ruining someone's life. One time we walked into a bar and someone had played multiple Foo Fighter songs in a row. Like, like it was just an album after album of Foo Fighters. And while I like the Foo Fighters, I think Dave Grohl is great. I don't want to listen to the fucking Foo Fighters an entire evening of the Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. That I consider ruining someone's life. However, when we go in, we will play this type of music 
And we've never had someone like, ah, Jesus, who played this? Everybody starts, even if involuntarily, starts dancing around. And, you know, the, the, the wait staff, the bar staff, it's, it's a good time. Mm-hmm. This really is good time music. Mm-hmm. All right, last one. So this is Serpentine Fire. Yeah. A nice funky tune. And since Maurice's death, there's been a number of articles written about him. And I particularly like this one from the New York Times because it quotes him kind of talking about Earth, Wind and Fire and what influenced him. And this quote in particular, I liked. He says, quote, although we were basically jazz musicians, we played soul, funk, gospel, blues, jazz, rock and dance music, which somehow ended up becoming pop. We were coming out of a decade of experimentation, mind expansion, and cosmic awareness. That means drugs. Yeah. (laughs) I wanted our music to convey messages of universal love and harmony without force-feeding listeners' spiritual content. That's also code for LSD. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I I love that. So even though they they have gospel influences... Uh, Listen. And they're Jesus-y. Some of my absolute favorite music is gospel to this day. You hate when I listen to Take Six, which is an acapella gospel group that is fucking fantastic. I don't it hate is, it. It is who Boys to Men got all of their inspiration and so many other groups. I love BB and CeCe Winans. There's so much good gospel. Andre Crouch, for the love of God. So much good gospel out there. Sorry, I'm, I'm derailing your, your enthusiasm with my overwhelming obsession <laughs> yeah. and love of gospel music. So they did convey these messages of universal yes. love and harmony and positive messages without being preachy. too preachy. Yeah. And it was just, you know, perfect. I hate to keep using this word, but Earth, Wind & Fire is just perfect for me and in my mind. So they are scheduled to receive the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Grammys, which are on February 15th. And so that's a real bummer because Maurice White passed before being recognized and in it was, that way. It was already in the works that they would get the Lifetime Achievement Award, was right. it not? Right, it was. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. All right, well. So we're sad, but... We will move on. And next time, we're actually hoping that they come back to L.A. this year. And if not, we may have to just go track them down. Well, if you haven't seen them, you need to see them. Because you, it listen, is a life-changing experience. If you are a listener and you have an outstanding concert venue and they are coming to you, you need to get a hold of us because we just might make the trip out. We are really wanting to see them this year. And you could let us know by calling 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Well, now I want to see them as much as possible. <laughs> so multiple people could call us. We could have just a, 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 a cavalcade of trips this year to see, you know, like the deadheads used to travel around and watch the Grateful Dead. We could be September people or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, the other members are aging, and I don't want this to turn into a situation where... You know, Boston used to be my favorite band when I was a teenager. Oh, yeah. And I I always wanted to see them live. And then Brad Delp, the lead singer, killed himself 
and that kind of ruined it for you yeah and, and probably for him a little bit too yeah and i mean <laughs> i just if if the lead singers of earth wind and fire die like philip bailey and, and the people that tour with them now it just who's going to replace philip bailey i yeah. mean he's known for hitting those high high notes right it wouldn't be the same it's just not going to be the same well they said that about steve perry though they did and then they got their asian steve perry who sounds exactly like him yeah yeah all right we're going long on this let's Move on. Do a little follow-up. We've talked about the movie Spotlight that we saw this year that is up for Oscar nominations. And apparently, this movie, which deals with the horrible problem, endemic problem, systemic problem within the Catholic Church of molestation, of child rape, rampant child rape within the ranks of, of the priests who work for the Catholic Church. Well, apparently, this movie was screened at the Vatican. Mm -hmm. When director Tom McCarthy made the Oscar-nominated Spotlight about the Boston Globe's reporting on a worldwide cover-up of sex abuse by the Catholic Church, he never thought the film would end up screening at the Vatican. (laughs) But that's just what happened this past Thursday. Quote, We just sort of found out about it, McCarthy told the Daily Beast before an event honoring his film. You can't really push anything on the Vatican, as you can imagine. He added, saying that it was all of a sudden, quote, leaked to us through Rome that this was probably happening. The unprecedented screening kicked off a three-day meeting by the Vatican, quote, Commission for the Protection of Minors, a group put together with Pope Francis's approval more than two years ago. No members of the press were present for the screening, but it has been reported that the Pope was not in attendance. The director said, just the fact that they are screening it for that particular council is exciting, and we are thrilled to feel like we played some small part in this. I would have paid a lot of money to be in that room, he oh, said. Oh, yeah. Well, good. I mean, hopefully, I, I don't, I'm not going to hold my breath, but hopefully it makes a difference. Hopefully that it will change, whether it be hearts and minds or just basic policy within the bureaucratic structure of the Catholic Church, that would be good to see. So Michael Keaton, who is the star of the movie, also made a statement. He said, personally, I'd love to see if they look at it and they go, we've got to be transparent about this stuff. You have to get to the root of the problem. And I would love to see even bigger changes at the Catholic Church in regards to just this issue. I hope they do something about it. And I hope they go after the guilty, of course, of which there are many. Right. Still. Thousands there are. And then Rachel McAdams also made a comment and says that she hopes the Pope will see it. (laughs) that's the next step only time will tell and we may never know all right well up next and kind of related to religion is something we've covered before but not specifically this particular city in phoenix arizona the city council has just ruled just voted for a moment of silence in place of a prayer before city council meetings We've covered this in many different municipalities across the country. And Phoenix is the next that chose a moment of silence in place of prayer for the very fact that (laughs) a Satanist tried to give a prayer and instead of treating all religions as equal, equally mythological, equally uh, filled with fairy tales, they chose nobody gets to pray We're going to have a moment of silence instead. 
A controversial vote tonight in Phoenix. The city council will not allow a satanic prayer at an upcoming meeting. Instead, there will be a moment of silent prayer. Joe Dana from our sister station in Phoenix was there for tonight's heated debate. It's a story that's new at 10. Look, every city council member here tonight expressed their disagreement with Satanism, but they say they had a dilemma. Rewrite prayer practices to prevent a Satanist from praying here on the 17th while also making the city vulnerable to a lawsuit or take away public prayers altogether and avoid lawsuits. Preventing a Satanist's prayer, a reason to celebrate for some members of mainstream religions. It's a victory on our city. But for others, the vote, a defeat. That's what this whole thing is about, really, political correctness. And you know what? Trying to take God out of everything. It was an all-or-nothing approach. In the end, the council voting for nothing, led by Mayor Greg Stanton. Not even two years ago, the justices on the Supreme Court, including the conservative justices Roberts and Alito, stated clearly what the Constitution demands of cities like ours, that when it comes to prayer, we can't discriminate against minority or unpopular faiths. Beginning tomorrow, no prayers will be allowed to open city council meetings. Instead, moments of silent prayer only. Council members relying largely on advice from the city's attorney. Councilman Sal DeCicio, the most vocal opponent of the measure. Because I want to give you hope. I want you to walk out of here knowing that this is not going to stop tonight if we lose this vote. But several council members had harsh words towards DeCicio, who suggested that supporting a moment of silence was to advocate for Satanists. And when my colleagues attack us and my faith, that's very personal. That was Joe Dana reporting. The councilwoman who sponsored the moment of silent prayer rule said she didn't want the city paying out a half million dollars in legal fees and lawsuits when there are more important issues to deal with. So that woman who spoke and said, they're attacking my faith. Mm -hmm. Her name, ironically, was Laura Pastor. Mm, interesting. <laughs> so uh, maybe we'll follow up on this and see exactly how this pans out. But it just it, it still it never ceases to amaze me that rather than treating all of your particular flavors of religion equally, it's oh, no, you can't come in. And if you're going to force your way in and want to pray just like we do, mm -hmm. then we're not going to have any prayer. It's the same thing. It's the Kim Davis effect. No, if the gays, if they want to come in and be married like the law says, then nobody gets married. It's horseshit. I, I could, there's no other, there's no other way to put it. Total bullshit. Horse and bullshit. That's a lot of S. Yes. A lot of S. It's probably actually a lot. The most S. The most. So, like I said, we'll follow up on that, and let's move on. Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. So I want to put another call out. If you are someone who has not received your stickers and you have not yet communicated with us that you have not, please let us know. 
We want to get those out to you. I don't know what in the hell is going on. It might be because I'm lazy and didn't put a return address on or maybe not enough postage or whatever. But let us know. 657-464-7609. Email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com or just email us outright, whatever. Get on the page, tweet, whatever. Let us know. The other thing, other than the debate shows we did today, I want to announce that there will be two more debates. February 11th, which is a Thursday and a Democratic debate. And Saturday, February 13th, will be another GOP debate. Those will be included and put out as bonus episodes. So thank you very much, Patreon people. We love you and appreciate you. Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. And again, there will be one more debate. I guess I'm going to talk about it. Is on 3-3 on March 3rd will be a rematch between Donald Trump and Megyn Kelly. But this time for real because Donald Trump says that he will be present at this debate. Quote, I'll be there. I have no objection to being there. He said that the last time he didn't show up was not because of his feud with Megyn Kelly, (laughs) but because of the taunting memo that Fox News sent out about his hesitance to participate. That, for me, that's code for I am a coward. That's what that means to me. We will see. He says he'll be there, but you can't take him at his word because... In my estimation of things, he's not trustworthy. Well, that's also a month from now. Yeah, all and kinds of shit could happen. Who knows how well he's going to do in these next primaries. Right. I mean... Well, I have, on today's bonus episode, I did predict he is not going to win in New Hampshire. And if he does win, which I don't think he will, as I just said, <laughs> uh, it will be very, very close. So we will see where he ends up. But if he loses two in a row, he's not long for this campaign. I mean, Mm -hmm. he may go into South Carolina and some of these uh, future states, but uh, he's not doing (coughs) he's not uh, he's not faring well, especially for dominating in the national polls. And we've been doing something a little different with the um, Twitter and Facebook pages. So during the debates and also during the reporting of the um, Iowa caucus and then on Tuesday for the New Hampshire primary, we are posting updates to the Twitter, to the Facebook. Live updates. Right. And, you know, check those out if you're interested in on the day reporting. Yeah. And, you know, it's a good time. It's a good way to communicate with the show with us live since this isn't a live forum. Mm-hmm. It's another way to kind of be, you know, I don't know about one-on-one, but goddamn, it is a good time. We have been having a real good time on both Twitter and Facebook. All right. Well, let's stick with Donald Trump for a couple more stories and then as quickly as we can pivot to another more reasonable candidate. Even though the most reasonable person we're going to cover is probably Bernie Sanders toward the end. <laughs> So Donald Trump was recently at a town hall meeting on CNN, and a question was asked of him. Obviously, it's a town hall meeting, so a question from the audience was asked. And in true Donald Trump, he didn't appreciate the question, so it must have been been a plant. 
it must have been something orchestrated by CNN. This is how it went down. Uh, Joe Manzoli, he's from Hudson. He says he's got a few top contenders uh, still undecided. Joe? Hello, Joe. Trump. I, uh, Are you thanks. liking me better, at least? Sure. Only <laughs> <laughs> because I get to stand here. That's good. Uh, th- thank you so much for, for being here. Okay. Um, I have three wonderful daughters at home. Good. And I want nothing more for them than to look at their president as a role model. Throughout the course of this campaign, you've said some disparaging comments about women, about people from other countries, other religions, and about everybody who's disagreed with you. Explain to me how I can look at my daughters and have them look up to a President Trump as a role model. Well, first of all, nobody, who, who asked you to give this question? Did Anderson know? <laughs> well, this this is a CNN, by the way, no, this is a not. CNN setup, but that's okay. It's not that. Nobody has more respect well, I, for just women. Just for the record, we did that's not tell sure. anybody any questions. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. No one has more respect for women than I do, says Donald Trump. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Let's also not let's not forget that he gets more pussy than Tucker Carlson. Yeah, he, according to Donald Trump, real respectful. Also, does she have a fat ass? Absolutely. And if you forgot, if Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. <laughs> oh, and you know, there's this one too. I'd like to take some money out of her fat ass pockets. And this one, you wouldn't have your job if you weren't beautiful. And I think we all remember him talking about Megyn Kelly's period blood. You know, you could see there was blood coming out of her eyes, uh, blood coming out of her wherever. So super respectful. Very. He's listen. No one can deny. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Brittany, you there's no way that you have more respect for women than Donald Trump does. Nobody has more respect. Mm-hmm. That's what, a, what he's saying. What a fucking mook. <laughs> Don't think it's true, but that's what he's saying. Unbelievable. Another piece of Donald Trump news, which is just real good, is a a New Hampshire veterans group, which apparently was going to be, or maybe still is, going to be the recipient of some of that money from his Iowa fundraiser for veterans, has told him to go pound sand. Liberty House is a scrappy veterans group in New Hampshire with a small $300,000 annual budget. One of the 22 organizations chosen to benefit from Trump's multi-million dollar fundraiser for vets. On Friday, Liberty House Executive Director Keith Howard received a call from Trump's campaign staffer, who conveyed that Trump would like to publicly present them with a six-figure check right before the New Hampshire primary. It's an enormous amount of money for a small charity, but Howard said he wouldn't do it, risking the entire substantial donation on a point of principle. Howard, a 57-year-old Army vet, objected to the use of veterans for political purposes. He doesn't believe that his charity, which clothes the homeless, feeds the needy, and provides housing to 10 formerly homeless vets, should be presented with money by a political candidate at a political rally. Quote, this is not directed at the Trump campaign. This is about any campaign. And it's it's wise. I mean, it's honorable. I don't know how wise it is because he might not get the money. But sometimes honor over wisdom is a is a is a, a very lofty thing. Well, it would be ridiculous for Donald Trump to not give the money simply because they won't appear and make a publicity stunt out of to it. To be a political prop. But of course, we don't know <laughs> 
um, how Donald Trump is feeling about that, right? Doing something where no one is going to see, where the cameras right. aren't going to well, see his he, kindness. He probably feels very snubbed. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah, we'll see. We'll follow up on this and see if they do get their money. They better. They better. So I guess that wraps up all of the worthy Trump news. <laughs> I guess worthy. The, the other... The other piece of political news before we get to the main the main event, which involves Ted Cruz and uh, Ben Carson and some fraud or some, at the very least, unethical behavior during the Iowa caucus, Rick Santorum, as we reported last time, has dropped out of the race. And we talked for quite, look, I, one of the things, I don't... Uh... <laughs> Well, in true hemming and hawing fashion, Rick Santorum has gone out to stump for Marco Rubio. He was on with Morning Joe, uh, on the Morning Joe show with Joe Scarborough and that co-host of his, whom I don't know her name. Mm-hmm. I don't know it either. <laughs> and uh, they asked why. They just wanted one single accomplishment of Marco Rubio's that triggered the endorsement from Rick Santorum. Rick Santorum, Rick, always great to see you here. Thank you, Joe. Um, what, 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 what do you, what do you list as Marco Rubio's what, top what, accomplishment what, what, that, what? that made you decide to endorse him? Well, I mean, I, I would just say that there's a guy who's uh, been able to uh, uh, number one uh, win a, win win a tough election in Florida and 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 pull people together from a variety of different uh, spots. This is a guy that. Uh, I think can uh, work together with people. That's the thing that I like about him the most, that uh, he's, right. he's someone who brings people together. And, and at a time with there's such divisiveness in Washington, I was looking for someone uh, that can win this election and wasn't right. a divider. And I think that's, so, that's the problem I have with right. everybody so, else in the field. So, so he can win, so, but he's been in the Senate for, for four years. Can you name uh, his, his top, top accomplishment? Uh, in the Senate, actually working in the Senate, uh, doing something that that uh, tilted your decision to Marco Rubio. You know, I, here's what I would say about that. I, my my feeling on Marco is someone who has tremendous potential, tremendous gifts. If you look at being a minority in the United States Senate in a year where nothing got four years, where nothing got done, I guess it's hard to say their accomplishments. I mean, what you t- tell me, what happened during that four years that was accomplishment for anybody? Well, I but, mean, it was uh, a complete gridlock. But, but hold on, hold on. The, the Republicans <laughs> have actually the Republicans have actually been in the majority for the past two years. Uh, well, can, you, can you name one? thing that he's passed okay well first off he's passed in the last okay joe joe look the republicans have been a majority in for one year and one month of which as you know he was running for president primarily the first four years he was in the minority and nothing got done and by the way what happened this year under under the republicans that he got done hang on a minute there rick santorum slow your roll buddy you can't have it both ways you can't have it that he brings people together Mm mm-hmm and also that, oh, well, he was in the minority and nothing, he couldn't get anything done. Well, if, he, if he's such a skillful practitioner of bringing people together, mm-hmm. then why did, he not, why did he not get something done then? Yeah, so why doesn't Rick Santorum just say, you know what, I don't know. <laughs> you know what, here's the deal. We made I, a deal. Uh, I, I looked forward into the future and I'm trying to prognosticate who will be the nominee because I want a cabinet position, or I want, at the very least, 
to be able to have some influence in this presidency. Hey, maybe I'll even get a vice presidential nomination. You know what? Marco <laughs> Rubio gave me a hundred bucks. I <laughs> simple as that. What am I supposed to do? They had a big pizza party. I <laughs> ate a lot. I was tired. I just I, I committed myself. I wonder if Marco Rubio called him after this. Like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah, and said, you know what? <laughs> We're going to publicly say that we reject your endorsement. Right. <laughs> I'm like the vet group, and you're like Donald Trump. Yeah, we don't need your endorsement. <laughs> Stop talking about us, please. Well, Rick Santorum digs even deeper. Well, well, I mean, I could list some things that happened, but I'm not defending the Congress. I'm, I'm not being difficult here. I'm just asking you to name one accomplishment. No, I, I'm that just Marco saying the, the problem is list one accomplishment, that, just one, just one that Marco achieved. Maybe a bill that he wrote. Maybe a, 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 a moment in a committee. Like that, Jeb Bush I, ran Florida. Donald Trump built a company. Marco Rubio finished the sentence. <laughs> yeah. The, okay. Marco Rubio was number one, the Speaker of the Florida House, uh, in which something that's a minor minor deal. I mean, he right. was elected by his colleagues to be the Speaker of the House. Number right. two, yeah, he spent four years in the United States Senate being frustrated like everybody else that nothing got done. And then you can't point to him and say, well, nothing got done, and therefore he has no accomplishments. So the, the problem is we have a president I, who doesn't work with people, and, 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 and you got no uh, no cooperation at all. So, you know, this is a bogus argument. you got you got a completely feckless Congress, and it, you can't say, well, okay, he was there, and therefore, you know, it's his fault. It's actually not a bogus argument. All I'm asking is a simple question. I'll ask it one more time and don't attack me because we've been friends for a very long time. And I'm not attacking and, 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 you. No, 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 no. Let me ask the question one more time. List one accomplishment that Marco Rubio has achieved in four years of the United States Senate. It doesn't even have to be a past bill. Well, I know he included something that that went after the insurance companies uh, in a uh, in in the most recent omnibus. <laughs> I know that he fought for that uh, to uh, to stop bailing out insurance companies. I, that's one thing that I'm familiar with that I just saw uh, recently. But uh, and again, he was on the campaign trail and accomplished that. The bottom line is there there isn't a whole lot of accomplishments, Joe. <laughs> again. Just say, listen, I don't know. You're effectively saying that you don't know. Right. It, it would be, it would just, it's like ripping the Band-Aid off the wound. Just do it quick, get it over with, so we don't have a three and a half minute soundbite of you futzing around and fumbling around, not being able to give an answer. Yes, you're embarrassing yourself, and oh, you're wasting yeah. everybody's time. Right. And we talk for, look, I one of the things, I'm, I don't. Uh... <laughs> Come on, Rick Santorum. Get it together. So God he's damn. not. He's not going to run ever again, right? He's done now. You would think so. He's a young guy, though. Who knows? I think he's going to have to wait and see. Well, I think he's done just because I think that this is a turning point for the Republican Party. I don't see it getting. It's either going to dissolve, or it's going to get a hell of a lot more liberal. Hmm. It can't can maintain this dinosaur type of policy going forward. It just can't. With 58% of Republican millennials saying, yeah, we're A-OK with marriage equality. Right. The Ted Cruz's of the world, the Rick Santorum's of the world, the Mike Huckabee's of the world. Going away. They're going away. They are becoming extinct like the dinosaurs did 65 million years ago. Or Wait, how long ago? 6,000 years ago, if you listen to Kim Davis and their, their like. Yeah. So. Ken Ham. Ken Ham, that's right. So on to the main event. Ooh. During this last debate, 
For those of you who listened to the Republican primary debate, we said we would get to this on this episode, and here we are. During the debate, Ted Cruz was asked a question specific, specific to an incident that happened during the caucus, just prior to the Iowa caucus in which he won. Ben Carson came in fourth, and some people blame it on the fact that a call went out, admonishing possible Ben Carson voters to switch their vote to Ted Cruz because Ben Carson had quit the race. Here is the exchange during the debate. But I do want to ask about a headline that was back in the papers again this morning. Dr. Carson, on the day of the Iowa caucuses, the Cruz campaign sent out messages and voicemails saying, quote, breaking news, Dr. Ben Carson will be planning to suspend his campaign following tonight's caucuses. Please inform any Carson caucus goers of this news. But as we can all see, you're still standing here tonight. Late this week, your campaign sent this email, quote, this kind of deceitful behavior is why the American people don't trust politicians. If Senator Cruz does not act, then he clearly represents D.C. values. What kind of action do you think Senator Cruz should take? Well, you know, when I wasn't uh, introduced number two as was the plan, I thought maybe he thought I already had dropped out. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, today is the 105th anniversary or um, 105th birthday of Ronald Reagan. His 11th commandment was not to speak ill of another Republican. So I'm not going to use this opportunity to savage the reputation of Senator Cruz. But I will say... What's great about that is he gets an applause line for it. Like, oh, yay, Ben Carson. Mm -hmm. Thank you for not stooping to the level of maligning the reputation of Ted Cruz. And then that's exactly... <laughs> what he does. It's exactly what he goes on to do. Say, I, I will say, and I believe justified. I will say that I was very disappointed uh, that members of his team thought so little of me that they thought that after having hundreds if not thousands of volunteers and college students who sacrificed their time and were dedicated to the cause one even died to think mm -hmm. that i would just walk away 10 minutes before the caucus and say forget about you guys i mean who would do something like that now, I don't think anyone on this stage would do something like that. And to assume that someone would, uh, what does that tell you? So, unfortunately, it did happen. It gives us a very good example of certain types of Washington ethics. Washington ethics basically says, if it's legal, you do what you need to do in order to win. That's not my ethics. My ethics is you do what's right. Senator Cruz. You know, it's very rare that you find me in agreement with Ben Carson. And this is just one of those times. That is an awesome statement. Washington values, Washington ethics is if it's, if it's legal, go ahead and do what you got to do, even if it's wildly unethical. Mm -hmm. So David Muir the terrible moderator <laughs> for this debate starts asking Ted Cruz about this. Dr. Carson, thank you. 
Senator Cruz, you have said that Dr. Carson and his wife have become friends of yours. I'm curious why you didn't call ahead of time either the doctor or his wife or have your campaign check in with the other campaign before sending out those messages. Ben is a, a good and honorable man, and Ben and Candy have become friends. He has an amazing life story that has inspired millions, including me. When this transpired, I apologized to him then, and I do so now. Little late. Ben, I'm sorry. Little late. Let me tell you the facts of what occurred for those who are interested in knowing. On Monday night, about 6.30 p.m., CNN reported that Ben was not going from Iowa to New Hampshire or South Carolina. Rather, he was, quote, taking a break from campaigning. They reported that on television, CNN's political anchors, Jake Tapper and Dana Bash and Wolf Blitzer, said it was highly unusual and highly significant. My political team saw CNN's report breaking news, and they forwarded that news to our volunteers. It was being covered on live television. Now, at the time, I was at the caucuses. I was getting ready to speak at the caucuses, just like Ben was, just like everyone else was. I knew nothing about this. A couple hours later, I found out about it. I was told that Ben was unhappy. I called him that evening because I respect him very, very highly. I didn't reach him that evening. I reached him the next day and apologized. He asked me then, he said, Ted, would you make this apology in public? I said, yes, I will. And I did so. I regret that subsequently CNN reported on that. They didn't correct that story until 9.15 that night. So from 6.30 p.m. to 9.15, that's what CNN was reporting. Subsequent to that initial report, Ben's campaign put out a statement saying that he was not suspending his campaign. I wish that our campaign staff had forwarded that statement. They were unaware of it. I wish that they had. That's why I apologized. Senator Cruz, thank you. We're going to move uh, on here, I, back I, to the I, issues. Since I was mentioned... Dr. Carson, please. This is great. You guys, I want you to all mention me when you say something. <laughs> um, in, in fact, uh, the timeline indicates that that initial um, tweet from CNN was followed by another one within one minute that clarified that I was not dropping out. So what happened to that one, it is unclear. But the bottom line is, we can see what happened, everybody can see what happened, and you can make your own judgment. Dr. Carson, based on thank that. you. Thank you, Doctor. So I want to go back to some things that Ted, Ted Cruz said. Yes. The first being that he was at the Iowa caucuses getting ready to make his speech, so he wasn't aware of what was going on. Right. Oh, I guess that technology isn't a thing. <laughs> And that you probably don't have a phone on you that has like texting capabilities. Listen, in my in my experience, and this is back a long time ago, before there was the rampant technology that there is today. Candidates have multiple cell phones. Mm -hmm. They likely have a Senate paid cell phone that can't be used for campaigning, mm -hmm. and then they also have a campaign cell phone. And they might even have a personal cell. There's all kinds of fucking cell phones going on in a campaign. Mm -hmm. For him to say, oh, I'm totally out of touch. I was nowhere near a payphone. I didn't have any quarters. It's just complete <laughs> horseshit. Right. Again, horseshit. Right. So bullshit. The other thing. Lots of shit. Yes. Is this is exactly what I want in a presidential candidate. So when asked, hey, why didn't you go to the source and double check things before you made this crazy move? 
And he says, oh, well, you know, this news organization reported this. Okay. Can you own your quote unquote mistake? Right. This is the second shady thing that you did. Right. In this in the during the same caucus, it's this it's second shady thing you've done. Right. You sent out the voter violation right. mailing things to mislead people. And then you did this. So you expect us to believe it was a mistake? Right. It's the trying to manipulate the vote. No, this at, is calculated. Yeah, at least in the first thing, the, the you were trying to get the vote out even if it was a lie manipulated uh, manipulative and then the second thing is voter suppression that's all that is you're trying to suppress the the votes of other candidates which is borderline illegal i would think mm-hmm. so let's let's break this down a little bit let's unpack this Brittany, you have the text do you not of the voicemail because i want to play the voicemail but it's it's a terrible terrible audio of it. But so I want you to read. He are, David Muir already read it, but I want it fresh in the listeners' minds. So you go ahead and read it, and then I'll play it. This is from the Ted Cruz campaign, calling because you're a precinct captain, and it has just been announced that Ben Carson is taking a leave of absence from the campaign trail. So it is very important that you tell any Ben Carson voters that for tonight. Uh, that they not waste a vote on Ben Carson and vote for Ted Cruz. He is taking a leave of absence from his campaign. All right? Thank you. Bye. That uh, That is exactly it. Even the uh is in there. Well, that's what I'm here to do. Here it is. That they not waste a vote on Ben Carson and instead vote for Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. Ted Cruz is a liar. And it's not just me who's using that type of harsh language. CNN is using just those types of words. Ted Cruz, liar. Aaron, at no time. Did CNN say that Ben Carson was dropping out of this race? Not online, not on air, not anywhere. And for Ted Cruz to stand on stage once again tonight and suggest that CNN did is a flat-out lie. This is what was tweeted shortly before the caucuses opened that evening about Ben Carson's travel plans by our Chris Moody. He tweeted, Ben Carson will likely speak at his victory party in Iowa before caucus results are in so he can catch a flight. Then he added... Carson won't go to North New Hampshire, South Carolina, but instead will head home to Florida for some R&R. He'll be in D.C. Thursday for the National Prayer Breakfast. And then this. Ben Carson's campaign tells me he plans to stay in the race beyond Iowa no matter what the results are tonight. All three of those tweets came out in less than two minutes before the caucuses even opened. And 45 minutes later... Moody hit it again by saying, folks, Ben Carson is just making a brief stop at home in Florida tonight, and campaign says he'll be back on the campaign trail by Wednesday. Yes, our on-air people came on, and they talked about this. They said it's an unusual move by Ben Carson or any presidential candidate to not go directly on to New Hampshire. But again, 
In no way, shape, or form did they say that Ben Carson was dropping out of the race. Executives from CNN have been over this timeline with people from Cruz's campaign. The campaign has been called out for its dishonest handling of this information by Politico, PolitiFact, The Washington Post, and many others. And yet, once again, Ted Cruz stood on stage tonight and suggested that somehow this is based on what CNN did, and all CNN did was report the facts. His claim is false. It was false from the get-go, and it remains false. So is this what you want in a president? A liar. Someone who is dishonest for his own purpose, for his own gain. He's willing to step on the heads and the necks of his fellow Republicans to get ahead personally. Mm-hmm. Piece of shit. Not worthy of the office of the presidency. He's 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 trying to gain George Washington's job. He wants Abraham Lincoln's job. And he wants to do this. Sorry, you don't get my vote. See, the interesting thing about Ted Cruz is, you know, he's like this just by looking at him. Oh, yeah. And there's few people. What did I call him today? Dracula. He's fucking Dracula. Well, I've always said (laughs) that he is slimy. Yes. And and he just comes off as this very slimy character. I don't think that anything he says comes off as genuine, even when he's talking about his sister dying of a drug overdose and going into a crack house and saving her when he's telling this very emotional story. It it doesn't resonate with me. It doesn't make me emotional because it just is coming from this slimy character well what part of it is true yeah it just i don't know everything he says seems calculated and like he has an ulterior motive right absolutely i agree 100 percent. well good well there we go thank you i guess we can end the show right there here we go <laughs> all right well before we do end the show let's get this in uh apparently the clintons they have fanned out across the country in one last push in January for fundraising for the campaign. Hillary Clinton, outraised by Bernie Sanders in January and facing a prolonged Democratic primary race against the Vermont senator, is planning an intense family fundraising spree to Democratic strongholds in February that could net millions of dollars. No, I said that wrong. I said that they fanned out in January to finish with a strong January, but it's going forward into February. They're trying to really hit the streets hard but it's like a team family effort. <laughs> yes. Hillary, Bill, and Chelsea Clinton have 32 fundraisers scheduled this month. Wow. Yes. So, according to invitations reviewed by CNN, a considerable investment of time for a presidential candidate who is currently locked in a tight contest with Sanders, a candidate who does most of his fundraising online. Right. Which is interesting. So she might be a little scared right now. Well, she's scared because he outraised her. In January. Mm-hmm. And what this tells me, and I guess I would I would admonish all the Bernie people out there, that if she's going to hit the streets hard and get a campaign and, and earn some money, uh, she's going to leave him in the dust and she's going to have a lot more cash. Mm-hmm. If you are a Bernie fan, if you're a Bernie supporter, it might take more than just telling your friends and neighbors. It may take five or ten bucks or whatever you can afford 
to send his way because in, in politics, whether we like it or not, money is king. It talks. And she's going to have coffers that are going to be unbeatable going forward. And his money's only going to last him so long. So if you're out there, put your money where your mouth is because he is going to be in a real rough spot at the end of February, I bet. Right. The Clintons are coming for him. Absolutely. So get ready. The Clinton machine is on the move. Yes. <laughs> 32 fundraisers. Yeah, no kidding. God damn. That's 10 apiece. Over 10 apiece. They probably have the baby out there campaigning <laughs> for, for money. Yeah. The grandchild. <laughs> All right. Let's get out of politics and into Britney's favorite. Pew, 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 pew. pew, pew. What do you got for us? So the first one I want to start with is voters skeptical that 2016 candidates would make good presidents. And this is for generally all of the candidates. <laughs> the latest national survey by the Pew Research Center conducted January 7th through the 14th among 2009 adults, including 1,500 registered voters, finds that 35% of voters say that Hillary Clinton would make either a good or great president, with 11% saying she would be great. More voters, 44%, say Clinton would either be poor or terrible in the White House. 28% wow. say she would be terrible. About one in five, 18%, think Clinton would make an average president. Now, Donald Trump, in this poll, people thought he would make the most terrible president. <laughs> so he got 38% of people thinking he would make a terrible president. And then Hillary Clinton was in second for that. So 28% think that Hillary Clinton would make a terrible president. In terms of who had the lowest terrible president percentage, that would be John Kasich, who only got 7% thinking he would be a terrible president. Those are good numbers. Mm -hmm. 7%. Well, and then he also had only 1% saying he would be a great president. So, oh, Well, you, you got, you got 90, 92% in there that, you know, we don't know what they think. <laughs> Yeah. And then the highest um, percentage for who would make an average president is Jeb Bush. Yeah, All right. Well, it'd be average. Yeah, 35%. Probably pretty accurate. But this just goes to show that people aren't really super excited about anybody. Yeah. I mean, with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump tied with 11% thinking they would be a great president. Yeah. Only 11%. It's yeah. not higher than that of people totally jazzed on a candidate. Politicians are a lot like lawyers relative to the the public's per perception of them. You know, they they're not well liked. It's not a it's not a a sought after job like oh a doctor, or someone of of you know even a clergy are considered you know trustworthy and noble and not politicians. They're shitty. So what else we got from Pew? So 2012 Republican primary voters, more conservative than GOP general election voters. Pew did a profile of the GOP primary electorate. They say that a person's past voting history can be a powerful predictor of future turnout. A new analysis of the Republican electorate in 2012 using the national voter file reveals substantial attitudinal and demographic differences between verified GOP primary voters and Republicans who voted in the, in the general election, but not in the primaries. The study confirms the conventional wisdom that, in many ways, GOP primary voters were more conservative than those Republicans who did not participate in that year's primary 
primaries, but would eventually vote in the general election, both in their self-identification and in their political values. GOP primary voters in 2012 were more skeptical of environmental protection, more supportive of the use of overwhelming force against terrorism, (laughs) and more likely to oppose societal acceptance of homosexuality. Hmm. At the same time, the analysis shows there are also common ground between GOP voters who voted in the primaries and those who did not in the opinions about the government and the social safety net. Wow. That's interesting. They always have good stuff at Pew. There was another story, was there not? So this one's from Gallup, but I guess it can be under the (laughs) Pew research. I don't have a horse running. Not not funny. All right. (laughs) Three out of every five Americans views Donald Trump unfavorably, according to Gallup's most recent two-week average for all of the candidates. Three out of four or five? Three out of five. Okay. That's the highest among the Republicans and the highest of any candidate in the race at this point. It's so high, in fact, that Gallup's Frank Newport wanted to see how it compared to the peak unfavorable ratings earned by every candidate back to 1992. Ooh, that's awesome. When Gallup began tracking the data as it does now. No candidate in the past 25 years has been viewed more unfavorably by Americans, Democrat, Republican, and Independent, than Donald Trump. Do they have a list of who comes close? So Donald Trump is the least, and then George H.W. Bush is next, Hmm. then Hillary Clinton, then Bill Clinton, then Mitt Romney, then Barack Obama. Just Just down the line. Then George W. Bush, then Bob Dole, then John Kerry, <laughs> then Jeb Bush. So all the way up to the top, who's the most liked on that dislike list? Ben Carson. Wow, really? Well, you know, sleepy guy. Not really offending anybody when you're wee 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 wee. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I guess so. Well, it's good. Should we end the show with a little asshole? Of today. Yes. It's the asshole of today. I am going to throw a name at you that you probably have never heard. Tommy Benson. Benton. Tommy Benton. Tommy Benton is a Georgia state representative, not a congressman representing a a district, but he's a state representative, a state legislator. He was interviewed, and this is going to be kind of a mashup of some wildly out-of-touch things for a man to say in the year 2016 surrounding blacks, surrounding slavery, and defending the KKK. The idea that uh, slavery was the cause of the war, it wasn't. But the southern states seceded because the north was advocating doing away with, with slavery, but they offered no idea as to what the south would do with a loss of $2 billion worth of, worth of property. He's referring in property, when he uses the word property, to human beings. $2 billion worth of lost property he means people he doesn't mean they took some wagons away they took some plows away they even took cows or horses away he's talking about people how out of fucking touch is that also 
might I add, that it's not really, not really a surprise that he talks like this when he talks about property, taking our property. He's not saying, well, you know, it's rather odd that the people who support the North would say that, oh, blah, blah, and just to totally discount the taking of $2 billion worth of property. He doesn't talk like that. Mm-hmm. He talks like this. Per se. He also says the KKK, quote, kind of made people straighten up. So it was not just based on uh, race as such. It was based on, uh, I guess you'd call them vigilantes. And I understand that that African Americans, for the most part, have have a problem with the slavery issue, but they they don't denounce their ancestors that were in Africa that were selling slaves. Uh. <laughs> they find it offensive because they they have not been taught a true history of the war. Look, I he goes. I understand that uh, you know most African Americans they got a pro- wait. Hang on. Yee-hoo! You know I understand that most of them blacks they got a problem with the slavery issue. Really, you you've come to understand that African Americans they take issue with the fact that their ancestors were owned by white people. You that's really it's big of you, sir. That's big of you person who has been elected to represent others in our democracy god damn i um i'm just really disgusted it's alarming you know he goes on to say quote i'm not doing what i'm not saying what they did is right it's just the way things were okay what it kind of sounds like you're being an apologist for slavery yeah i'm just i'm really sick of this argument like you know, it happens. I'm not saying it's right, but they need blah, to get blah, over blah. It. Yeah, let's keep the Confederate flags up, blah, blah, blah. Ugh. No. And to say, oh, they had a problem with slavery. What is <laughs> right. I mean, he's just so callous. Yeah. I don't I, yeah. I don't understand how this is someone who is a state representative. Right. This is insane. Yeah. And this isn't like 1958. This is 2006. This is just recorded. They just got him on tape saying this shit. Mm-hmm. Clearly, a far and away winner of today's asshole of today. Goddamn. Maybe the the most important asshole of today. Right. Maybe the biggest asshole of today we've yeah. ever had. Yeah. Awesome. Spectacularly callous. Mm-hmm. Jerk off of the day. Yes. All right. We're going to leave you. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us twice a week or for as often as you do. You are taking part in moving the conversation forward. Do us a favor. Tell a friend about the show. Recruit into the the, the church of I Doubt It With Dollamore. We need converts, new congregants, as it were. Thank you very much. If you'd like to support the show other than listening twice a week, go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page there. There is a support the show link, and there's all kinds of ways to jump on board and help support your favorite show filled with news 
news, and ridiculous comment. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Oh, well, I don't care. Right. If they make fun of me about it because... <laughs>